Hey everyone, welcome to the Cyber Life Podcast. My name is Ken Underhill, your host. In today's episode, I have two special guests. Uh, they really don't need any introduction if you're if you've been in the industry for any uh, amount of time. Uh, but Ron Warner and Charlie Dagwell are here with me. Uh, guys, welcome. Thanks for joining me. And uh, do you mind just kind of giving the brief summary of how you got into security and what you're doing now? When did you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Ron Warner with Bellevue University and Cyber AAA. I have two hats, one as an educator where I teach college classes, both undergraduate and graduate, all the different types of cybersecurity from penetration testing, forensics to GRC and risk management. And I've been doing that for 10 years because I'm just passionate about building people. But I also like to consult, which is the other hat that I do, where I help businesses as an advisor. I conduct security assessments for them and just help them find answers. How did I get into cybersecurity? Long time ago when I was in the US Air Force, I was an intelligence officer. Combine that with a computer science background, kind of led me directly into the early days of information security, which is what I've been doing for about 20 years. Nice, nice. Definitely appreciate you coming on, Ron. Uh, Charlie, do you mind uh, just introducing yourself to the audience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, my uh, my name is Charlie Dagwell, and I uh, head up the cybersecurity function at Expand Executive Search. So we place uh, a range of functions uh, of both commercial and technical people globally. Uh, predominantly in recent years has been North America and EMEA, uh, and my my personal focus. Uh, is sales, marketing, uh, product, uh, strategy, and operations. So it is, you know, executive search headhunting, but also on the other side, we're doing lots of consulting and advising, predominantly uh, with uh, culture and, and within culture, diversity and inclusion. Um, so our, uh, our MD, Samantha Maxwell-Reed, uh, sits on a number of, um, sort of panels, talk shows and stuff and does a lot of um, inclusion across all of our markets, which uh, within cybersecurity we're seeing is a really, really hot topic at the moment. And at RSA, we, we had a, a couple of roundtables about, you know, not just how to get women and different cultures into security, but also how can we effectively include them into the environment? Um, so it's, it's, that was a really interesting topic for us. How did I get into security? So my background was recruiting um, pretty generic uh, technical contractors, so sort of front and back end developers. So I've I've always had a bit of an inner geek, despite being a sports guy. I kind of I'm a bit of a gamer, and and the technology and how things work has always kind of appealed to me. Um, but I've uh, I've never been too much of a brainiac to be the one that hands on makes it work. So I kind of started recruiting there. And I and I've just through following sort of technology trends and the way that security market has evolved over the past, you know, five years, I would say, especially it's gone from being, you know, kind of a thing that people talk about almost fashionable into something that is really essential now. So there's been so much change, uh, which I've just tracked. And then and now I, that's all I exclusively do. So that's that's kind of my journey to now, really. Perfect. Um, and again, appreciate you uh, coming on. I did see that you played rug rugby, so I 
I, I was going to ask about that, so <laughs> excellent. Um, so in today's episode, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. So the main thing that I wanted to focus on, since we have an audience that's not just security folks, it's also uh, smaller business owners that are trying to figure out what is all the security stuff and what's all this panic that I always see in the media and stuff. Um, and then the other part I want to talk about a little bit is more on the sort of the job search recruiting side, and that's where Charlie is kind of the specialist. Uh, so Ron, I'm going to start with you. Since you really do a lot currently with small businesses and advisement and stuff like that, let's just talk about something recent. So we're right now while we're filming this, obviously COVID-19 is going on globally. And recently Zoom has had a, been in the media quite a bit for various security things. So Ron, do you mind just kind of speaking on like, should these small business owners out there that are currently using Zoom where it's not necessarily sensitive information, they're just having calls with clients or whatever, so it's not like HIPAA uh, compliance or anything that they're needing to do. Should they still be using Zoom? Should they be scared to death? Like, what should they be doing, Ron? So rule number one, great question, by the way, Ken. Rule number <laughs> one of cybersecurity is don't panic. From the quintessential book, uh, what is it, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the first line, love that. Zoom is perfectly fine for general use. It's a great tool to connect with others, connect with your clients virtually. And I think we'll continue to use the tool, whether it's Zoom or GoToMeeting or Microsoft Teams, well past this coronavirus pandemic we're going through. You need to just remember some very basics of cybersecurity. That's what it often comes down to. Just like the doors of your physical business and your building, you don't just let anybody walk in and out. You want to lock your doors of your Zoom room. And you want to have someone at work as a receptionist, which you can also do with Zoom and the other webinar type of tools. So rule number one, lock your doors. Know who's coming in or out. Make sure if you're having an open webinar, you have guests register. And as they're coming into the room, you greet them like you would have a receptionist. That's where you have that waiting room capability within Zoom. You require a password too. You don't just let anybody in because the problem with Zoom bombing is people will just go in just to disrupt the meeting and you don't really know who's on the other side. So you have a unique room number, you have a unique password, require people to register. And then if it's a closed meeting, so let's just say I'm meeting with some of my clients. As soon as everyone's in the room, we lock the door, make sure no one else can come in and then know what you're sharing because we're seeing a lot of challenges uh, with people sharing files. And this has always been a challenge actually. And how do you know whether they are legit or not? So know what you're sharing and not only with files, but where your camera and what your camera is sharing. We're seeing problems with people sharing accidentally documents very sensitive on their desktop when they share their screen. Or this is the other one, you see this on Twitter where they're shooting at home and all of a sudden their kid walks in the background and it's their two-year-old who forgot to put on clothes, which is what two-year-olds do. <laughs> and then it just becomes very embarrassing. So always assume the camera is on. Those are just some really quick tips. I'm kind of curious, Charlie, what, what have you seen in using Zoom or working with some of your clients as people are looking to get jobs and maybe doing interviews virtually? Yeah, great question, and and this is this is kind of the the key one for us. And in fact, even even before this, you know, we we've worked with organisations across 
North America who are looking to expand into Amir or they're based in Amir and they want to grow into the North America. And the reality is it's extremely expensive for a CEO or a CRO, whoever it may be, to be flying around, meeting every candidate. You know, they may want to speak up to, to up to 10 people. So we're talking potentially, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of, of flights plus the time, et cetera. So, you know, we're, we're largely education, I think, in terms of talking to clients to say, look, you can effectively not just interview people via video, but we can virtually onboard people. So that's kind of part of what we would work with them to do, because it's there is that, that sort of rigid way of thinking in terms, you know, I have to, have to shake a hand. That's the only way I can really get to know someone. Um, but in terms of this, as you say, virtually onboarding and effective reference uh, checking, not just speaking to their friend that they worked with five years ago, who's going to tell them they're a swell guy and speaks six languages and all this kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, so, that, so that's, you know, that all kind of rolls into one. And in, in terms of the the video side, you know, we're, you know, I've got about seven different downloads, whether it's Zoom, Microsoft Teams, um, uh, WhatsApp video is a, is a big one as well. And you're always hearing about, you know, these big hacks. And when you talk about locking rooms, you've probably heard of the house party app. I'm not sure how big it is in the US. Um, but yeah, there it's, it's gone completely crazy from sort of, you know, 2016, I think it was when they were founded to just tens of millions of users across the globe. Um, and the kind of stuff that people are discussing on there or Amazon Alexa, you know, all these kind of things that are, you always got to assume they're listening. So, you know, we have a rule of making sure that the, the Alexa is turned off. And as you say, with using passwords with Zoom, because people give out their personal meeting ID like, like their suite. Um, and then anyone can join and you see all these really embarrassing situations with, with the government, with people, you know, joining and sharing these highly inappropriate videos. So, you know, it's it's a, it's been a real hot topic for us, but um, yeah, video I think is I think it's going to be a real game changer moving forward, especially um, in terms of how efficiently and, and how quickly um, people can onboard. Absolutely, and I think with COVID nineteen, a lot of organizations are seeing that the traditional "let me bring you into the company, let me have you meet everybody, we'll do the interview on site," all this stuff. It's just not reality anymore. Uh, we have to be a lot more flexible as employers to to connect with those people because a lot of times the experts are not in your local area. They're over in the UK or they're you know on the other side of of North America or whatever. Um, so I think I think this in in hindsight this epidemic will be beneficial to a lot of people because it is kind of that wake up call for many organizations. Like, look, you need to. Had you already been doing this, you would have saved tens of, tens of thousands of dollars, and maybe you wouldn't be furloughing employees right now because you had the, the cash sitting there to do mm. so. Um, Ron, I think you touched on something really important when you were talking about Zoom, the fundamentals. So, Ron, uh, the audience out there is predominantly cybersecurity people, right, people in InfoSec already um, or associated with it in some capacity, but there is also the small business audience out there, uh, and that ranges from people that are the solopreneurs, right, the single-person uh, LLCs or, or enterprises, and then all the way up to, uh, generally speaking, a few hundred employees or so. So thinking of kind of that audience uh, is where I want to focus on for a moment. When you talked earlier with Zoom about the fundamental stuff uh, with Zoom of making sure, you know, like like you lock your door, right? You keep people out um, so that you can have the private meeting and everything. 
what are some other fundamentals that these smaller businesses should be doing and also keeping in mind that they've probably got extremely limited budgets to do these things so what are some things that you would suggest that they do that are maybe economical that could also really benefit their organization from a security standpoint that is a great question so often we think that cybersecurity is very expensive and very complicated when it comes back to the fundamentals, just like your automobile, your car, you keep it up to date, right? You get the oil change, you make sure the tires are good. We need to do the same things with our technologies. And how do we do that? Well, first of all, stay up to date with patches. Check the manufacturer, the vendor, like with Zoom, are you on the latest version of the Zoom download? Windows, if you're running Windows, are you on the latest build? Make sure you maybe test it first. Other applications like Adobe Reader, etc. So just a stay up to date with your patches. Two, protect your devices with access control. Like I mentioned before, with Zoom locking your door, know who can access your technologies and run what's known as least privilege. And I'm using air quotes right now, where don't run as administrator if you don't need to. Run as just a regular user and then become administrator when you need to do special stuff because it's really powerful. The last step is using long and complex passwords. But tied to that, you can also use a password manager like LastPass or Pass. This way you can create really long and hard passwords and you don't need to worry about memorizing them. And then wherever possible, you want to use something known as two-factor authentication or multi-factor. And that's where you get that special code to your cell phone, your smartphone that you need to put in in addition. Those are simple steps and very low cost to be able to prevent a lot of the ransomware and business email compromise types of attacks. Excellent. So a lot of times in the media, people are seeing, well, they use the term hacker, right? And we, we obviously know that it's the criminal element and not the hacker, so to speak. But ignoring that for a moment, when these business owners see about hackers and, and the attacks and everything, and attacks especially on like their websites, is there anything that they can do to secure like their website a little better, Ron, in your opinion? Great question. What else can they do? Well, first of all, again, stay up to date. Often with a small business, we rely on someone else to manage our websites. I do the same thing with my business. And it's asking them, what do they do for security? Making sure they are following all of the best practices for websites. So it's just asking those right questions. Are they ISO certified, which is the international certification for cyber cybersecurity? So it's ISO 27. 001. Or in the United States, we use something known as NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology. So asking those questions, you know, how are they certified for security? On a personal level, I'm also asked, how do I make sure my email has not been compromised? The website I recommend, recommend for that is you go to Have I Been Pwned? Have I Been P-W-N-E-D? You put in your email and it'll tell you all the different places it might have been compromised. Like I'll tell you right now, Ken and Charlie, my Bellevue University email has been disclosed, but it's just my name and email address, so I don't really care. It's already public information. So just asking the right questions. If you don't know something, find an expert who does know. There's lots of people out there, and the nice thing with this whole virtual environment 
is that they don't need to be local. You can reach out through LinkedIn and just ask some basic questions. And there's lots of people that can help. Absolutely. And I think you touched on a good point there, Ron, asking for help, right? It's not, there's nobody that's going to, or at least there shouldn't be anybody telling you like you're dumb for asking for help. It's if you don't know it, always ask for help. We all do it. Um, I don't know everything about security. So I always ask people if I don't know something um, and I'm in the industry, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think that's a very important um, aspect. I want to kind of pivot over to you for a moment, Charlie, and talk about, because there's a lot of people getting furloughed here in the U.S. or laid off. And I'm sh I know it's happening globally as well. What are some tips that you have for those people on finding new jobs, like where they should be looking or maybe tips on resumes, just anything, any advice you can offer those people out there that are looking right now. So they, number one, can kind of stay hopeful that there is something out there that they can get. And number two, that they can position themselves better to hopefully get at least an interview for a new job. Yeah, absolutely. So for starters, I think it comes back to kind of not not panicking because you know one of the main takeaways from RSA was the US is going to be in negative employment meaning you know the, the figures were you know between 2 and 3 million open vacancies within cybersecurity by the end of 2022 I believe don't quote me on that so you know big numbers of open positions and what you'll see is you know with most job specs a list of skills which realistically in order for this person to do this job say it's a systems engineer for example they only really typically need 60 to 70 percent of that job spec and i'm telling you from experience when it comes to job specs if i send the candidate the job spec because most of the time it's very different to what the hiring manager describes on, on a qualification call but when you send them a job spec most of the candidates that i've placed in my career are hitting 60 to 70 percent of of that job spec so when you're applying for a role don't get to bullet point number 23 and go oh i haven't got three years experience of that you know you can typically pick out the, the first two or three are normally the kind of the, the must-haves um so focus on them and if you've got some transferable skills you know don't let that put you off from from applying um and, and i think there's going to be plenty plenty of openings you know i, I think it's more about finding the right cultural fit i think that's that's the big the big one for us at the moment and, and as an industry and in and in terms of following you know it's it's a scary scary time that's kind of looming over a, a number of people's heads um but stay active um and i don't mean just physically that you know that that would help but i mean training certifications there's a bunch of free stuff out there keep up to date with podcasts keep up to date with what is going on because for me, you know, I'm always trying to learn from a sales perspective by by all means nowhere near the, the finished polished article. But if you can use this time, this valuable time, you know, I'm saving hours a week, not commuting into the office to listen to as many podcasts, reach out to people in my network about new technology areas that I think are interesting and really just try and upskill. So when you do get the opportunity to interview, it's you know you're in a position of power where you've got so much knowledge and current knowledge it, it's not just another case of kind of feeling sorry for yourself well, i've been furloughed i've lost my job i really need this you know you, you can always be really select and and, and you're, you're so full of knowledge and, and and market sort of know-how 
that that will really help you. Um, and also the, the final point really is, is really use recommendations and referrals. So rather than just clicking apply on LinkedIn, sitting there and hoping that you hear back amongst the hundreds of other people, try and see, do I know someone that works there? Or do I know someone who knows someone who works there? Put together a tailored cover letter and ask that person to specifically say, you know, if it's a sales role, can you send this cover letter and my resume to that CRO who I see you're connected with and recommend me? Because it might seem like a scary thing to do if you've not done it before, but most people are, are friendlier than you think on LinkedIn and, and they will help you do that even if you've not met that person before. You don't mind, I want to jump in with one quick LinkedIn tip. If you're connecting with someone you don't really know on LinkedIn, include a note with it on how you've been introduced or how you know them. That really goes a long way because if it's just a blind LinkedIn request, then it's it's kind of weird. You don't know if they're a bot on the other end or who they may be. So provide a little bit of an introduction to yourself. If you're connecting with someone who you really haven't met or find a, a connection in common and ask for an introduction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it comes across to be quite honest as, as just lazy. Um, even if it's a hi, we know this one person or look at their activity. I saw you liked this. That's interesting because that's an interest to me as well. Would love to connect and share some insight on it, whatever it may be. You know, it doesn't have to be a long poetic paragraph, just, just something to show that you've made a bit of an effort to see that there's, there's relevance for you to connect. Yeah, I agree with that, Ron, entirely. Absolutely. Yeah. And LinkedIn is a very valuable resource. I think a lot of people uh, sleep on it in some capacity of not recognizing the true value in LinkedIn of making those connections, establishing those relationships. I've built a lot of business uh, for my my business off of LinkedIn, a lot of referrals, et cetera, uh, for people across the world. Um, and so I think that even in the employment search, it's a very valuable tool. Ron, I wanted to kind of pivot back to you for just a moment. And because you're, you've, Yes, you're doing the Bellevue, but you also have your own business. And I think that at least there's been a few people that have gotten laid off recently that have thought to themselves, okay, I want to start like a consulting type of business because I'm tired of all these layoffs that I'm always going through in my career. So I want to start something on the side, at least right now, to bring money in and then also kind of keep it on the side as I get like that next job or whatever. So Ron, do you mind speaking to that? Like how someone out there that's maybe let's just say they've got you know five or ten thousand dollars of savings or whatever so so they're not in a they're not in a necessarily a financial pickle right now but they've, they've got some savings etc how how can they go about like finding clients or getting started like what are some of the the trouble things that you went through starting that business that maybe can help them avoid those issues certainly yes that's actually how i got into my own consulting is that I was having a hard time finding a really nice full-time gig as say a CISO or security director. So I just decided I'll start my own. And it's really through a lot of the techniques Charlie mentioned. It's reaching out to your community. I had some friends here in my area who were actually retiring as a security consultant and they actually gave me some of my clients. So it's just using your local connections and what I teach at the university and then I do as a consultant is that human hacking, that social engineering where you learn how to build rapport. It's like, I know Charlie is big into sports and rugby. So you find that way, hey, you like rugby? My son's interested in it. What should he do to become 
good at rugby? And is it really safer than American football? And I know Charlie could go on for a long time talking about that, but now we have that connection point with it. So it's just finding, and then finding your strengths, know what you're really good at. So like, I'm really good at the governance, compliance, policy, and that's where I can help companies, or I'm good at that penetration testing or the forensics, or like you mentioned, Ken, I need help someone securing my website. So you can come in, so find your niche and then establish it and just begin talking to a lot of people. In cybersecurity, we tend to be kind of shy and introverts and you kind of need to get over that and be willing to just reach out and begin talking and then asking. That's often the hard part for me, where you just be bold and you say, hey, if you hear of an opportunity in this area, let me know, I'm open for it and I really wanna be out there to help. So it's all about continuing with the community. And the nice thing with our new age here of where we're all meeting virtually is that it's actually gotten a little bit easier. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, like you said, Ron, one of the things that stops a lot of people is they're scared or hesitant to ask for that help, to reach out to people they don't know. Um, I've even seen some people on LinkedIn I don't accept connection requests from strangers. Well, why why are you even on LinkedIn, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and so I think just being open to that, you do deal with some spammy people. I mean, I I get that, right? I I I usually accept all requests until somebody sends me that sales message, and then I just block them, um, just because it's not like you, you, I'm sure you guys have gotten those too, right? Of somebody mm -hmm. just randomly says, oh, I looked at your profile. Number one, they they and when they comment, they're talking about a job you don't even do, right? They're just sending out that that random spam message or whatever, trying to get some leads. So don't be spammy, but like uh, like Charlie and, and Ron both said, kind of personalize that, right? Just find something that interests you about the person. Maybe they're into pen testing and, and you're into pen testing, or maybe they're into uh, Splunk and you like Splunk or you're trying to learn Splunk. So just reach out like that with something, try to give some value or just recognize that they're a human as well. And I think that's going to help a lot of people out there make those stronger connections on social media across the board. So any final thoughts? I know I've taken a lot of you guys' time uh, already. Charlie, any final thoughts from you on things that people should be doing? Any advice uh, from the job searching standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's important, and it might seem like a really obvious one, that your LinkedIn profile is up to date. So I you know it might be slightly awkward if it's uh, your current employer obviously don't know you're looking to move and, and putting some figures in terms of targets or whatever or uh, customers that you're approaching is obviously fairly sensitive that you can't put out there but having you know what company you're working for the correct dates what technologies you're selling to and what customers in terms of you know enterprise or retail and manufacturing it doesn't have to be, be the actual name of the customer it, that is so important because when running a search on LinkedIn, you'll be amazed at the amount of candidates that, you know, someone will say, oh, you know, you need to speak to my friend over here and you run a Google search and or a LinkedIn search, whatever, and you, and you can't find these people because their LinkedIn profiles are out of date, which even even for salespeople, you would have thought you'd want people to know where you are. But having an update to, uh, updated profile is is absolutely essential. And just to reiterate the point with recommendations, absolutely it's a must-have if you're not doing it um, and my final point would be video content so that's I've only really been putting my own video content out there 
advertising roles or whatever it may be for the past probably year or so. Um, it, it's kind of a, I was almost sort of camera shy. It was not really my my thing. Uh, and after the first one, two, three of videos, I feel a bit awkward. You kind of get used to it. And even doing, uh, you know, this podcast today, it's something that I don't do enough of. But getting your face out there, as I say, staying current and, le and letting people see your name and see that you're out there um, to simply just get in front of them. Uh, and then, then word of mouth and stuff is just a lot more likely. So that would be my my main three tips. Perfect. Uh, so Ron, any thoughts, any final thoughts or advice for uh, specifically for the small business owners out there that are looking to secure their information or they're panicking about the things they're seeing in the media? Right. Well, again, it comes back to that don't panic. Reach out for help in your local community. What they could often do with small businesses is actually go out to other groups and just ask, hey, do you know of anyone who maybe can help me secure my infrastructure? And it could be a even a kid. You'd be surprised. Maybe a young college student can come in very low cost to do this because the college kids are looking for experience in cybersecurity. So you just have to be willing to ask those questions. And then looking at the basics, there's a lot of really good websites out there on how to secure a small business, like a new document from the Center for Internet Security. So cisecurity.org on securing small businesses. NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, has a lot of documents on securing small, medium businesses, as well as the Small Business Administration here in the US. You have to do your homework like everything else. And then when you don't know something, be willing to ask. There's a lot of help out there and a lot of people willing to help. The hard part sometimes is just reaching out. Absolutely. And especially as you mentioned earlier, Ron, uh, a lot of us being introverted, we're, we're kind of like, I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> but the reality is you have to build those relationships and and online actually makes it a lot easier to, to do so. Um, like I said, I, I really appreciate you guys uh, coming on. You're welcome back on the podcast anytime. A lot of great information you shared. So thanks again, Charlie and Ron. And uh, hopefully this information was beneficial to the audience. Thanks a lot. Stay safe. Yep. Be safe.